Taste the East End episode 144, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Carl Riley. Fuck the GAA. Fuck the GAA. We are still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical. I think they share our sentiments as well. Um, forever, in our, uh, they are fantastic stuff. Fantastic. They are officially sponsors forever now. For forever and ever. They are going to sponsor us forever. Major shout out to Robbers. Uh media team for uh, releasing the Danny Manger interview right in the middle of an All-Ireland right absolute shithousery <laughs> brilliant you excellent lo- stuff you love to see it so we are back and it's our last episode of 2020 with our thoughts on the cup final new signings and another season an edition of Members Corner with Ed Saw so one of our 17th coaches and Ed's been on the show before I think he just got his ARB licence along with Polly O'Brien and we had them interviewed at mm. the back of the East Stand so um, yeah, we we're going to chat to Ed a good hoop. Actually, the third time we, I think I interviewed him as well before ahead of the Junior Cup final. Remember we got to the final with the uh, me the media heart. That was it, yeah. So our cup final preview preview show went down well, and uh, unfortunately it didn't go the way we wanted it. After that, but it still it went down a treat, didn't it? Yeah, that's that's the most our WhatsApp group has been buzzing about a show in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they were talking about it all day. And uh, even the opening song, people enjoyed that again. The old uh, 2010 Huberman. Uh, we were going to set a fire. And uh, actually, what I loved about that was the intro with uh, Dunster's commentary. My God, yeah, you yeah. loved the Gary Twig goal, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you have to lash it on, don't you? Be a commentator. Yeah. Especially be boys when it's their own team. Yeah, but uh, just to explain the timeline of these shows. Uh, this, this could be quite confusing. Perhaps going to be talking in tongues now. Jesus, here we go, right? See if you can follow this. Uh, we're recording this on the Monday before Christmas. But you're not hearing it until the Monday after Christmas. Right. So, this is after the Stephen Bradley interview. We've done that. But before the Ed Sol interview. So we don't know what he said. <laughs> and we're missing seven whole days of news. So hopefully there isn't any. Barry the odd sign in yeah. it too. So, that's where we are. So get your head around that. Yeah. So, yeah, we lost the FAI Cup final, unfortunately, to Dundalk 4-2 after extra time. Um, the team, Green and Pico, came in for Marshall and Grace. McMillan started for Dundalk ahead of the injured Hoban. And both teams played with a back three, so they mimicked, I think, uh, what is it? Imitations, the former flattery, isn't it? That's what, that's what they say, yeah. But it was a, it was one of those things where we are all predicting the team and we predicted it right in fairness. We predicted scales. You had a great season. Absolutely brilliant season and deserved a spot in the team. But um, it wasn't to be. We'll talk about the build-up to the day, Prof. Yeah, the build-up to the 100th FEI Cup final. Uh, we've won a quarter of them. 
that's it's good going. Yeah, yeah. Fairness. But uh, you got the usual stuff. You got the interviews with players. I always enjoy them. You got the... Uh, was there... There was a Jack Byrne one. There was a day with the Lopez family in Crumlin. Yeah. Where else? Hotbed of talent. Yeah. With Pigo, a.k.a. the strong fella. The strong fella. Yeah. I absolutely love this interview. That was brilliant with his dad. Talking about... Uh, Whereas he worked on the on the ships and stuff, and uh, well, what I took away from Gary is they have a cat. Our player of the year has a cat. What do you think of that? No, I can't trust him. <laughs> can't trust him. I've gone down in my estimation. Give it the Jack. <laughs> Give it the Jack. Jack has a dog, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, can't trust the cat person. Can't trust cats. They're gonna eat you when you die. But was, that's. Uh, I, was, I was also expecting <laughs> a, a dramatic haircut from him. I think he was hinting at, wasn't he? The but fro. He's rocking the fro. But he only he was only the sides he got cut. Yeah, Do you no. remember Ken O'Man? <laughs> cut the long hair for the Satanta Cup final. Shaved it, didn't he? Didn't even recognise him Shaved that day. Shaved it boldly. He used to look like Jesus. Yeah. But um So the interviews felt like your 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 regular FBI Cup final, but then when you see like the fans' flags draped across the empty seats in the stadium, compare that to Legends Are Born and Rings End and the flares yeah. and the fans last year. The picks were we're going around from last year's final and you were getting the feels but then you're watching it on TV and like they're coming out and there's no sound yeah. the build up was little yeah. there was little or no build up really I mean mm. it was just us sitting in our houses on a WhatsApp group you know what mm. I mean so um, that's pretty much it like like looking at the WhatsApp but in fairness I, I built it up for myself personally I built it up just kind of watching all clips and looking back from last year and things like that and just getting yourself excited about the game you know you know you're going to watch it on telly it's not going to be the same mm. but then you're just, you're just WhatsApp groups I mean that's pretty much the build up WhatsApp groups was sad really wasn't it well it was similar to all season wasn't it like yeah. we were, that's what the season came about because that's, that's where the crack was just like chatting with your mates on WhatsApp but that was it that's pretty much yeah. the extent of it so yeah, so there's a great story in the paper about Jack Bourne and Joey. And Bourne admitted he was a bit full of himself when he signed with Rovers. And it needed Joey O'Brien to put him in his place earlier on. It happened during a light-hearted post-training drill called Red Arse. The old classic where a player is nominated to go in goal and is peppered with shots. I was only in a week or two when I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting a goal. I'm not letting people smack balls at me. So I didn't get involved. Recall Bourne. Well, Joey nailed me and put me in my place straight away. He said, hey, listen, if I'm doing it, I'm not Of course he said, listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen. Ah, uh, listen. Ah, uh, listen. <laughs> if I'm doing it, I'm after coming back from playing the Premier League and Alan Manis is doing it, you have to do it. It doesn't matter if you don't want to do it. If it's out of your comfort zone, we're all buying into it. So, uh, he was right from day one and from forward on, he did it. So, Joey's been unbelievable, unbelievable to him. So, it's been fantastic stuff from Joey. Joey's a mentor and Jack has been underneath the arms and just, you know, shoulder, an arm put around him and a shoulder to cry on, you could say, but has he got enough in the tank to keep keep Jack in the team and keep him from leaving so that's the big question I don't think anybody couple. has that ability maybe uh, a we'll few more quid maybe Joey has a few quid we can get Joey to pay him we'll touch on that a bit soon but yeah so we looked absolutely dapper in um, these suits of ours like a navy a dark navy with a black polar neck very very classy very sharp so the, uh, they'll be there I mean they'll stay. I wonder where the last last season's suits are were these last seasons? Were they the same? I don't think they were. No, they looked a bit different. They looked a bit different, but they were still very snazzy. Very snazzy, so... Uh, this is something that actually evaded me, actually, until now. I actually don't know. Did Al... Was there any turning away from flags? 
No, you faced the, the flag. Did he face it? Yeah. Did I hear the... Uh, I think someone, a few lads were watching it. And uh, <laughs> a big, big cheer went up. <laughs> How do I word this? I don't remember. Keep going. It's good, it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice. Now, in fairness, I think the Guinness might have gotten to me at that stage. But it wasn't even on the radar. It wasn't even on the radar. Uh, the pitch prof. Oh, well. How bad was this? Visibly terrible. And the night before, we got in a photograph, didn't we? And we were looking at it thinking, there's no way that's it. And it actually was because like, the rugby was on before. Yeah, you thought it was so. one of those Photoshop things. The rugby, the the uh, egg chasers absolutely mauled it. So uh, it could be another reason. We, well, we did dominate, but we'll talk about that in a while. But it could be another Our reason. Our showpiece event. Yeah. And they had a pitch. Our like one a game a year. Cabbage patch. Absolute fucking and the FAI let our pitch look like that. But did the FAI had a show, a show like the FAI can't turn around and say, "Oh, rugby can't be played there the night before the FAI Cup final." Am I right in saying that? No, the FAI did move the date of this Cup final a couple of times. Yeah, and they probably knew they probably knew what was close to it with the rugby. So yeah, I know what you mean. It's supposed to be a showpiece. So um, yeah, we have Jack. Jack called it a joke afterwards, and rightly so, and he said that they would have had all year to play the rugby game, and it was played the night before the cup final, and like we said, it's supposed to be a showpiece, absolute madness, crazy that they played this game, even a week before it is nuts, it's too much, need to get the work done, so think about that, they play a load of big, huge men trampling all over the pitch the night before the FAO cup final, the showpiece of Irish football, and they absolutely trample all over the pitch, and let it happen. I still can't get my head around it. Mm. It's crazy. It hasn't been highlighted enough, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we talked about... Jack also said that he talked about how different it was the last year. He said football without fans is nothing. He walked out to 40,000 last time, this time to an eerie silence because they even turned off the PA. So you can hear everybody sneezing and coughing and mm. all sorts and it's just not the same, is it? No. Really wasn't. So, um, horrible stuff. Dundalk, top of the start of the game, prof. they started well and we were... Um, the WhatsApp group wasn't too happy with the start, and we were nervous at first. Now, uh, first fifteen minutes, they were the better team. Yeah, but from this point up to when they turned it around, we were we were in control. And um, yeah, first half saved by Rogers from Berkey's free kick. When you watch the replay, of this got he's, down very he well. Saw this he? late. Yeah. And he did brilliantly to get a hand. He did. He got think, down very well. And I think we've slagged him once or twice in the show. Uh, now he's just retired now. But uh, he has had a, a very good defence in front of him for like six, seven years now. Yeah, very true. But that was a good example of. I'd agree with you, and yeah. I'd, I'd argue the point that possibly we spoke about this not too long ago. But Brendan Clark is possibly the better keeper. It's a good debate. It's a debate that you could have had. Like I mean, he's, he's had certain, rubbish defenders in front of him. He's had more saves than me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's Rogers. Um, yeah, great saves. That was our best chance from the Berkey free kick. And then half time, we made our, we made a sub. That was uh, Lee Grace on for Joey. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you uh, if you looked at behind the scenes videos, they're up on YouTube. It's actually a couple of rows going on. If oh you, yeah yeah you've got Joey and Garland having a go at each other really yeah I didn't know that and there's a separate one I think where Greg Bolger tells someone to fuck off oh I saw that yeah was it was it Duffy possibly yeah, yeah. possibly I thought it might have been an yeah. official yeah 
That's it. Bit of bite in it, but um, the second half, prof kicked off. And if you look right, 50, 50 minutes with Aaron Green scoring a goal. But if you look before that, the lead up to it, they were Green. I was convinced he had a penalty. I think it was, and he was fouled. And uh, if this goes back to Brad's ban as well, and um, it goes back to Greener, like I think he gets fouled, he gets up and he's saying to the ref, Harvey, it's a fucking joke, fucking joke, fuck off. Says all those words. Yeah. Video's out there. Harvey does nothing. But Bradzer turns around and says, "That's a fucking shocking fucking tackle." Blah blah blah. Bradzer gets gets hammered. Gets a three game suspension. And was it Harvey both times? Har- was Harvey? Was did Harvey send them off? Or was I, it McLaughlin? I, I actually don't recall. McLaughlin. Either way, yeah. it's different refs and different different strokes for different folks. But that's the Just thing. Just no consistency. Uh, yeah. So Greener uh, is giving out stink and. I mean, it goes back to like different strokes for different folks. Different refs have different opinions on how Corson can be perceived. It happens; it's part of the game, like we spoke about before. But uh, straight away, I think it was Jacko whipping it in. Someone gets a flick, and then Green and just taps it home with a it header. Was, it was Grace with the flick on. So Grace with the flick. instant impact by the sub, and uh, Greener very cleverly heads it down into the ground. Yep. which fooled Rogers. This was a great header. Definitely very, very smart. And uh, we're one 0 up and Q. Mayhem in each and everyone's house that we're all individually in, uh, socially distancing. Yeah, with masks. With uh, yeah, with masks. Even though we're in our own houses on our own, yeah. so it was fantastic stuff and uh, mayhem in the individual households. Um, so it was short lived though. Twenty minutes later, uh, McMillan with a superb finish. I cannot say mm-hmm. it wasn't because it was brilliant. And the thing is, they got luck. This bounced off scales. Am I right? Little deflection off scales, and he just had one step on him. Was scales deflection was not the the horror? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. There was another yeah. one though. If you watch yeah. the ball getting whipped in, it just hits off a knee off scales, or or yeah. I'm nearly sure it's scales. But this one went in off both posts, and he wellied it. Was great finish. Yeah. But once again, right? I'm. If you look back at it, was it a hit and hope job again? This fella closes his eyes and just wallops it. It goes for the for the forward goal an extra time as well. It he, was, but he beats Al yeah. at his near post, which is no mean feat. Yeah, and it, it was a great finish, loads of power. It was. It was and a good the fourth finish. goal is just hit and hope. It's close su- your eyes superb. and wallop it. That's no, all that was. No, the fourth goal is absolutely no. I don't superb. agree. Wallop. It was another shank yeah. like Flores. <laughs> but yeah, it's one all, and then uh, things go quiet. So we're thinking, right? We'll we'll get back into this, and we'll just kind of keep it tight. And then Scales drags clearly to the ground. So, is this a penalty for you? Very soft. Soft, but we spoke about this before. And we said, if you do this anywhere else in the box and you put your hands on someone and they go down, you're pushing them and you're going to get done for a foul. Realistically. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jaden was t- saying to me, he was like, why did the Scales do that? He said, it's a foul. And it's good to see the innocence of a child who hasn't got any bias at them. Obviously, bias towards Rovers, but he sees how it is, and he he said to me, he said, "That's a foul. You can't do that." That's what he kept saying. You cannot do that. You can't do that. He screamed at his guy. Why'd you do it? You can't do it. <laughs> so that's that's what you're dealing I don't know. with. You probably see many of them. Though, and in fairness, weekend. when McMillan stepped up, I thought to myself, oh, he was convinced that I was going to save. Uh, I wasn't as hopeful. Convinced. Just, just blind hope. In a penalty shootout, I'd be like, "Yeah, I was going to say two yeah. of these," but I wasn't feeling this one. Just blind hope, and then obviously yeah. it doesn't happen, and things get uh, a little bit tense. Then and then, Q Jack. Honestly, this is possibly my favorite Pico goal ever. 
This was a towering this is header. one of the best headers you will ever see. Did you freeze frame this when he's in the air? See, he's a go- he's this height of himself up. So he's doubled <laughs> his height. So he's a giant. And he the neck muscles and the the direction of the header and everything about it puts in the fucking right in the corner. Absolutely gorgeous header and cue mayhem in their individual households. While we're all socially distancing with masks. Absolute bedlam. And then as as the celebrations all die down, we realise we've ha- we've backed Pico with a lot of money. So we fifty quid on Pico anytime, yeah, uh, for a tenner. So no, for ten to one. So we've a little kitty there, which is gradually being massacred by all of us in tri- in Tifty's treble bets on the weekends. Yeah, the moment you started doing treble bets, I knew it would just dwindle. Yeah, but uh, we've talked about Pico a lot in terms of how much he's improved uh, on the ball and work rate and just as a presence at the back and all that but how lethal is he as Seppi oh man he's so good he's so good he can poke it in with his foot bat it in with his mickey you can do whatever he's good for five goals a season he's brilliant and they're always big goals they're like Dundalk games European games yeah Loves a European goal, and then in this one as well. So, and you weren't, we weren't surprised. Like he's, he's a great show for any time scorer. At this point, the game was actually playing out very similar to the three-two on Tada because we went ahead in that game. We went two-one down. Then Pigo equalised from the corner, mm-hmm. so it was playing out exactly the same. But the difference that day was we had that bit of magic from Jack yeah. that won it, and we didn't have it that this day from Jack. Unfortunately, I thought Jack was off off the pace myself slightly. Yeah, um, but uh, Borky Borky was very good as well. I think did uh, did did the gaffer say Jack was man the match in the final? I think I don't think he did. I don't think he said the man the match. He actually singled out Borky. Borky, that's yeah. who it was. Yeah, Borky was excellent. But um, yeah, they they had conceded three goals against Malda, uh, three days before, so we figured that's where the weakness would be. Yeah. And sure enough, we scored two headers in the game, but. Uh, we conceded from set pieces ourselves. Very, very frustrating watching those goals go in because we've conceded mm. seven all season, then we get four one game. Yeah, it was very, very frustrating, and it was so uncharacteristic of this team to concede in that manner. I think that's what annoyed Bradzer more than anything. So going in, we had two theories. We had one: we would capitalize on uh, that weakness, which we did. But we also thought if this game went to extra time, advantage Robbers because they had, they had played in Norway, although they did rest half their team. But it didn't play out that way. They actually had more energy in, in extra time. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Uh, the subs, Prof, were you in favour of them? Three in ten minutes, Bulger, Marshall, Lafferty on. Dean Williams came on extra time. Did we blow our beans too early? But Bulger for what now? That that one did not work out. No, I I just... it was. I think Brazza possibly could have seen it as a swan song for Bulger, you know, his last appearance. Because he knew he was going, didn't he? Bulger knew he was out. Well, Balger was the man last year. Yeah, he knew time. he was out at that stage, though. He knew he wasn't being sent yeah. sticking around, so I think he thought, well, sent him on for a last hurrah. He only had 45 minutes in his legs from previously five in this months. this case, it was his second game from a leg break. Five months. 45 minutes. Yeah. Possibly a bad a bad show, in my opinion. Brad's got that one wrong, in my opinion, now. Marshall and Lafferty on, they're typical subs. Legs. That's what that was. Uh, Dino then came on next time. Um, we didn't talk about the... 92nd minute chance. Oh, so. Can we just skip it? <laughs> uh, Fucking hell. I've seen I think the I thought excuse the language, but a gee here is is you it could be used here. 
Oh, this was a great ball from Burke. And Lopez does get a toe on it. He tries to oh. poke it in. I think Marshall's there as well. Takes it off Marshall's foot, doesn't he? And it flashes by both of them. It's just agonising. Uh. And how appropriate was their closer last week? Any given Sunday. Oh, we already thought of that. It's a game of inches. Oh, God. It was awful, wasn't it? Yeah. But then there's 90 minute game and um, the nerves once again were setting in an extra time. As I said, Dino came on an extra time. That's I the thing, it's a squad depth, isn't it though? If that had been Gaffney. Different game. Whereas Dundalk's squad depth came true in this match. They were the better team an extra time, thanks in part to their their squad, you know? Yeah, different game altogether. But we uh, we a bit nervy. But then, listen, unfortunately, we unlucky unlucky again with Sean Hoare. Sean, like this, the ball just breaks to him. It's a snapshot. It's going into Manis's arms. If it doesn't take a deflection, and he's unlucky, scales. He's unlucky in this one. They can't blame off him. his heel, yeah. Can't blame him. Goes in, and then they get the they get the momentum. Then you know. Bad night at the office in general for, for oh, scales. God, yeah. and we were championing him the whole week beforehand, saying he's going to start. He's going to be brilliant. And then let's be honest, he had a nightmare. No, no, like he just didn't didn't have the best game. Like it's it happens. He's been brilliant all season. But his selection was totally justified based on yeah. the two months leading up. to We this. had said that as well. We've been yeah. giving him the big one, and he won Young Player of the Year as well. So, um, we threw the all the men forward, prof. We threw everybody forward. Mm. We went for it, and that's what I loved about it, though. You know, we went for it. We didn't sit back. Didn't go out, and we said, right, we've we've for eight minutes, nine minutes here. Let's go for it. Yeah, let's go for it. And uh, to see the ball from Odua to go out to the right. To start that attack. Uh, oh man! Seen a couple of times. It was brilliant. He just sprays it all the way out to the right, and then it goes straight into McMillan, and then he closes his eyes and just wallops it. It gets, <laughs> it gets lucky. Yeah, but it was it was a lovely pass, Modua, and that's a player I'd love to see. I think he's the type of player Bradley could mould. If he, I don't know about his attitude. I don't know what how he is personally. If he's a, he has the talent that Bradley could mould. Once again, Matt Brady is just this master sculptor of footballers. And it's somebody I'd, I would, I'd take a chance on if it came to a book. Would he fit in at this stage? We were in possession at that stage. That's, oh. That was a disappointing thing. I think, I think it was Jack, wasn't it? Dispossessed and then they hit us in the break. It's just one of and, those days. Uh, also, wor- worth mentioning, we missed Joey and Greener yeah. in extra time. Greener should never have played. Greener oh, no, was... No, I don't agree with that. We needed to get at least an hour out of no, Greener. No, as in like physically. Doctors would have probably said to him, "You cannot play football." But he was always going to play. I know, but like you're talking, he's crocked. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm yeah. saying. So we had a half-arsed fucking greener who gave us all and was brilliant. It wasn't the same greener as last no. year where he pulled the Dundalk defenders apart. Yeah, and he, we've talked about him before how crucial he is to our, our style of play. But yeah, we missed Joey and Greener, and a couple of people have pointed out we probably missed Bradzer's guidance too. On the touchline. Yeah, that's that's what you're dealing with. That's the type of bullshit you're dealing with that he was what for a course and not an official. You get that you get banned from the cup final. These things can make a difference. They can, yeah. Totally agree with your prof. So um yeah, Don and you there, didn't it? That McMillan got a hat trick. I know, yeah. Uh, I was only thinking now like I said, um some Guinness were involved, was involved. And you watched the game back twice. I, I know, yeah. I, I haven't watched it back. I watched it back. It's too painful. Uh yeah, there's yeah. a few sherries involved in the second one as well, so <laughs> Only the third player ever to score a hat trick in the FBI Cup final. Ah, uh, there you go, disaster. So he, he did. 
Same as Shadow himself, didn't he? He wasn't when, great. When, he was terrible he... up until he was getting taken off. He actually was being taken off until he scored. No, I just mean in general since he came back. I think most people have not been impressed by him. No. But in fairness, he turned it on here. Yeah, and, true. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so no. No one beating Dublin. Nothing this season. We'll get it back, don't worry. We will get it back. And it, it, it would have been like the, the icing on the cake. <sighs> would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? Unbeaten double, just capping off a brilliant, invincible season, but... Listen, we'll do it again, hopefully, yeah. next season. What was the... Somebody came out and said that we never seemed to win the Cup and were favourites. Some, somebody said yeah, it that. Was, uh, yeah, Paul McGrath left us a great voice now. Uh, I think he was crediting Maloney. I'm trying to credit the right person here, but... He said that... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He said that we were favourites against Galway in 1991 and Derry 2002 and Sligo 2010. We weren't favourites last year. I don't think we were even favourites in 1987, even though that was the foreign row team. Like Dundalk were highly fancied that day, and we walloped them three 0 Yeah. So I just it seems to happen that way, alright. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like the favourites tag to be honest now myself. But also, Paul, um, he remembered coming out of the final in 2010, and the uh, the mindset of a lot of fans was thinking like, ah, well, we won the league. Probably thinking we get loads more chances to win the cup. After that, under Michael Neal. Yeah. But I did not feel that way this time because no. we've seen Cork win doubles. We've seen Dundalk win doubles in recent years. Like we wanted this double. It really did. I just I thought I didn't think we had it in the bag. I just thought we had enough in us to beat mm. them. That's all it was. It wasn't cocky. It was confident more than anything. You know. Yeah. Something to be said though, like the team that doesn't win the league, they often have that little bit more hunger. Yeah. Like they have to prove something. Like, did you listen to Chris Shields? Before and after, talking about missing last year and how good he yeah, was, yeah, like yeah. he was highly motivated. He was mo- he and he made that his thing yeah. as well beforehand and afterwards. Yeah, and that can be a little edge, you know. Dundalk, <laughs> Dundalk wanted it and they took their chances and they were clinical. So. That's it, yeah. Credit credit where it's due, but I still think that we were out of team over ninety minutes. I still think we should have beat them in the ninety, and yeah, it was ours. It was ours to lose. So yeah, that's just how it was. Emma Wheatley in first door, she hit the nail on the head. With her, with her tweet, she said, I've worked out why this FEI Cup f- final defeat hurts so much. This Shamrock Rovers team have allowed us to forget what defeat feels like. Yeah. Disappointment and heartbreak is alien to us. Yeah, we haven't felt it for a while. Would almost make you envious of fans who support mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> well, almost. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's not too bad. Uh, we will become come back better and stronger and bigger. But, Prof, we're going to move on now because I'm fed up talking about this. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about transfers in and out. And we talked about upgrading our squad as a whole and getting in better replacements than the players that you release. And I think we have done that. No offence to the likes of the guys that have gone. Uh, so we're going to go in. We've Sean Hoare, our uh, tormentor in the final. Chris McCann, Sean Gannon and Danny Mann Dryu. I think it's Dryu, isn't it? I think we're going to have to get the pronunciation right there. And out with Greg Bulger gone to Sligo, Reese Marshall gone to Glentoran for a fee, Danny Lafferty the dirty, he's gone back home, and Sean Callan, and presumably Jack Bourne is gone, so he could be linking up with Mick and Cyprus. Let's talk about the outgoing lads first. So we've got Greg Bulger going out, fantastic servant to the club, mm-hmm. um, very memorable time at the club, won a cup, won a league, and he's just been excellent. And I genuinely thought we'd keep him. I was shocked when he left. Yeah, I I, I would have loved to have kept him. Obviously, we've got a lot of central midfielders in there so and as you said he was told a few weeks ago that he he was uh he was going to be let go so he was 
doubly determined to get back and finish in a high. Mm. And he was on he was on the show uh, a few months ago. So he was all set to stay, wasn't he? He didn't sound sure, if, if you remember. Yeah. I kind of asked him, do you think you might finish your career here? And he was like, well, I'm a realist. I don't know if, if he saw this coming or not, but... Maybe he saw the writing on the wall and he thought to himself, I'm 32. I've got... Coming back from a bad injury, are they going to offer me a deal on the good wage packet that I was on? And I think Rovers kind of looked at it and says, he's 32. He's just coming back to fitness. He's got a bad injury. Can we get in any, anybody else? You could say, okay, but then... Mm. You could argue the point that they signed Chris McCann. So is he a direct replacement for him? He's 33 and he's coming back and he wouldn't be fit. So, but, you know, does. Well, McCann can play in three positions. True, true. He could be a utility mm. man. He could be a utility man. Uh, no, I'm delighted we got Greg in here to, to talk about his career because he's had a great career. Well, so that really was. I'm, I'm glad we, like, we took that chance and uh, I've warned him. Not to call his shams, Gar. Yeah, um, I've told him I wish him absolutely no luck in the rest of his career. <laughs> he knows the score. Uh, Reese Marshall, Prof. This was one of our hot prospects, as you would say, in Championship Manager. Um, we, I think we paid a fee for him, we sold him for a fee. It was one of these guys that we were nurturing and thinking, this is going to be a big player. He looked mm. great in some of the games. He really did. And uh, as unfortunately... Brother, as Brazzer told us last week, uh, or, well, you know... Last week, as you're listening to this, but it was actually two days ago. So you get your DeLorean. <laughs> you said that it, it was there was personal uh, family problems there with with Reece, So so you have to understand that. Yeah. And listen, we wish him all the best, and uh, it didn't work out. But unfortunately, listen, we got a replacement in, and we'll talk about him soon. But another one out the door, Prof Danny Laff, the man who slayed bows and brought in the cornflakes. <laughs> To the turn you're in, yeah. um, a top lad and a really popular figure in the dressing room who did really well for us whenever we called upon him. And like we can't say a bad word about Danny. Um, once again, we wish him absolutely no luck in the rest of his career. But he one was, of those uh, like experienced players who, even though they're here for a short stint, you look back in them fondly because yeah. you've wi- you've won things with them there, and they seem like a good personality. Could we put him in the bracket as a Jim Patterson? Oh my God! You took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. I was just about yes. to say. Him. Brilliant. I definitely think so, yeah. yeah. Not as dynamic as... Uh, old Jimmy wasn't as mobile as, as Laugh, but listen, two top players. Just one note on Greg Bolger, actually. Um, uh, Nugent is supposed to be a very similar player to Greg Bolger. So, was Brazzer thinking... I hear, I was only talking to yeah. one Tommy Kelly earlier on about this, and he said the exact same thing. He says he reckons he's a little bit more mobile than him, and he's got a little bit more about him. So, this is what... He could be getting the bump up. I think Bradley could be looking at his bench for next year. Mm. And he's look I mean, if you look at our bench the last few weeks, you've got like Nugent, Alua, Williams. No disrespect to them. Yeah. We need better than that in extra time in an FAI Cup final. That's no not like you said, no offence to them. But it did it fill you like Dino's still learning and he's very well thought of at the club. But bringing him on in a cup final like that, I think a little bit of strength and physicality and a little bit more I don't know just experience could have helped mm. in that in that moment in time and like I said nothing against Dino Dino I feel Dino will go on and score goals for the club Dino it's has just huge potential and he could be we could be talking about him in the same bracket as yeah. these top players in a few years time but as for the who else have we got rid of Prof Sean Callan Sean um, Callan this yeah. was a surprise one for me because I thought he was well thought of thought he was doing well on loan at Wexford and came back I maybe maybe they just thought it's not working out. 
He's after going a whole enough year. Enough is enough. He's gone a whole year there, isn't he, without any senior That's football. it, yeah. But so. apparently he was very good for the B team. But listen, it's he's gone and we wish him luck because he hasn't signed for anyone we hate. So we <laughs> wish him all the luck in the world. My last memory of Sean Callan was uh, one of the last quizzes we did. It was Sean versus Jack Byrne versus Aaron Green. Mm. And Jack and Aaron were messing and swearing and all sorts. And Sean just goes... There's kids watching this. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a good lad and yeah. like you said, we wish him all the luck and um yeah, so that is that and he's gone out the door. So Prof that is pretty much it. Sean Callan just a note on Jack, I suppose. Uh <sighs> please stay. <laughs> yeah. If the cybers thing is happening, we, we won't kid ourselves, like it's undoubtedly a level above us. Because like that club, I think they're Struggling a bit at the moment, aren't they? They're kind of down in the bottom half. But yeah, oh, I didn't check, are they? Yeah, I think so. But they do regularly reach the group stages in Europe, so they just need like one good season. I think like Cyprus have two teams automatically going to the the Champions League, or yeah. the, or at least the playoff round. I think I'm not sure, but it's it, it is a massive step up. The only thing I'd be skeptical of is does that improve his international chances? Because yeah. typically only players from England and Scotland get picked. I'll I'll give you the the argument or discussion I had with an unnamed league foreign player that works nights. Um, he I, 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 I was I was I'm of the opinion that he could use this as a stepping stone, right? Let's say Jack goes into this league, right, and he plays well in this. And domestically, he plays really well. Then he plays well in the Champions League, and he's already on a good wage. He's on a he's have a good life, sun sea, the whole lot, good way of life. Then he gets noticed. You're more likely to go to another higher European club. Could end up in the Portuguese league, like fucking Podge. Could end up anywhere along the co anywhere anywhere in Europe. He could end up if he plays well in this league and, and Europa League, right? Um, let's say I don't know an example would be Danny Grant going to Huddersfield. Is it more conducive to his situation to go to Huddersfield or to take a risk and go and play in a Cypriot league where you're playing regular Champions League football and Europa League football? You could play excellent domestically and get a bigger move to a bigger European club is that the risk you take in going to Cyprus or do you just say okay I'm going to go to Huddersfield and <laughs> and take a wage and maybe play championship football drop down to League 1 I, I like the adventure of Cyprus I, I, prefer I like that. the adventure of it and maybe I'm a bit of an idealist but I think someone like Jack should be his priority should be what will suit my style of play exactly like a physical championship game, would it suit? Is it? And no, no offense to Jack. Is Jack's style of player? Are they ten a penny in the championship as well? There's a lot of players like him. Probably just put him on the wing or something. That's it. You know, or put him right back. You know, is he that type of player? Get him where he's creative and playing in the right role, and a manager that buys into him and wants him to play in that role. Maybe Mick is that guy. Obviously not for the national league or for the international team, but um, yeah. I can't talk about Jackie Morkoff. Yeah. The saga is continuing. So, so the newcomers. The newcomers, Prof. We go with Horror Forced, the Dundalk contingent, Horror and Gannon. Very, very, very happy with this. As like we said, an upgrade. No offense to the departed, but an upgrade on Sean Callan. I think Sean Horror is. He's an excellent sign and suits our style of play. Like Brad just said, he's spoken depth about him, and it's a really good sign and good in the air. Good with the ball at his feet, um, can score goals, and that's a massive upgrade as a squad point of view development wise we're looking at our squad getting better as a whole so it's a great one if you look, if you look at our back three now it would before 
it was like say maybe Joey had to miss a game or like Joey got sent off for one game didn't he and Pico was on international duty at one stage yes if we were ever missing two you're kind of like oh shit who did yeah. start and that and was it, the case last year wasn't it we thought yeah. that now it's like we signed Sean Hoare and Chris McCann could do a job there yep. it would really take a lot of absentees for us to have any panic and to worry yeah, yeah. totally agree with you. and Gannon of course the, the Rings End native coming back and this has sparked major debate about was, it, was that Gannon or Mitzi uh, yeah, this is what the you think they look alike. <laughs> they just, oh, no, no, I did, but no, going is that much. Can yeah, can Gannon score a late winner in Finn Harps? Does Gannon have a, a passport that looks like it's been in the washing machine for <laughs> ten years? So that is the sign. For, right now, this is very good, I think, because this gives Finn a little bit of a, a push into the middle now. If he can play, he can back back playing in centre midfield. It's a re- it's the best Roy Fall in the league, the most decorated player in years. Um, great signing, great signing, and you can't say anything else. I don't think so anyway. I think it's really good. And I think what Brazder said about him, um, still being hungry and wanting to bring success that he's had at Dundalk, with him to Back Rovers, to hometown club. He used the word unfinished business. Uh, Sean spoke well in his interview as well. So there was a bit of debate about Gannon, wasn't there? In our little uh, group about. It was is, split alright wasn't is it Is he going to be hungry enough From what we've heard so far It's promising And he's only 29 I mean yeah. like He's hardly He's got another 3 or 4 years left in him easy so He's hardly finished But uh, <laughs> we've got a A rings ender on each winger We have a ring I can't wait to see Cabo That's another thing as well Can't <laughs> wait to see Cabo back and up and running um, And the big one And our feeder club have given us Another player at Danny Mandrew Our Mandroyu and um, yeah, so we're looking good now in the middle of the park. Is he a direct replacement for Jack Bourne if he decides to depart Tallis Stadium? Ooh. That is the big question. And can Danny do it? He's very, very well thought of in the Ireland setup. A superb player who has always played well against us. And uh, that goal this, against us. While we are saying this, we are quickly deleting all of our abusive tweets to Danny. <laughs> so we've uh, always loved him. What's been the past? It's in the past. Uh, McCann as well McCann what I'm hearing from around uh, through the grapevine is McCann is a very very impressive footballer extremely good and Bradzer like Bradzer said 10 minutes of footage and he signed them up so yeah. very very uh, very interested in I this. love the way he spoke about his own interest in coming back and winning things that's it yeah you're not going to come if back if you look at him I know we're just watching him record a video in his car so we can't really judge on that but the way he speaks it looks like he means it yeah he does he means business he does and um, just a note on um, Sean Hoare said his dad Mick played for Rovers under John Giles I didn't know that oh lovely didn't know that that was news to me yeah Um, I like the way people describe this it's a great bit of business the four that we've brought in and it's weakened their rivals Yes, exactly, and that's one thing that is boiling Dundalk piss as we speak, is that we have weakened them. He says it's okay letting a player go, but you don't let them go to your rivals. Mm. Rivals, in inverted commas, by the way. Well, it's funny how suddenly these players uh, become shit, and they didn't need them, according to the fans. Yeah. After they leave and join us. Strange how that works. (laughs) That's the funny thing, isn't it? Apparently we signed Danny uh, just to piss off the Bowes fans yeah that's it That's so um, you see you have Steve McPhail and you have yeah. like all the boards sitting around and they're like right lads 
we have to sign players purely to piss off Bowes fans. Mm-hmm. It's like, who can we get in? What about focusing on keeping Jack? No, no, no. We need <laughs> to piss off the Bowes fans. Sign Danny. Sign Mandrew. Get a grip, man, will you? So we uh, we have uh, very very happy with our ins and our outs and oh, oh we're very happy with that well, and, and financially as well. Like you said, we received a fee for Reese and we got Gannon for free. That's it. The best very right, very very good business. The best rifle in the league. Yeah, you got to be happy, don't you? So hopefully Chris McCann's attitude about coming home is even half as good as Joey O'Brien's because listen to this from Joey speaking before the cup final I went to England at 15-16 and it never came easy for me if you look back on my career he begins I wasn't going to come here and start swanning around thinking I own the gaff ah listen it's it's not it's a Joey word isn't it it's not in me as a person I saw it happen at other clubs where people come in at the end trying to get a last payday you don't come here with a payday I came here to this football club to win one of the first meetings I had with the gaffer it was about winning the league winning the cup I wasn't saying more miles off it the players we were lacking a bit of this the level play that I was here to win for this football club. Luckily, we won a couple of things over the past couple of seasons, and uh, an absolute legend that is Joey O'Brien, as usual. So um, I think we're getting another Joey here with Chris McGann. Oh. I'm I'm very confident this is going to be a good sign. I hope so. I hope so because, like you said, we're hearing a lot of good things. And um, the Bowls fans' reaction, prop. Well, to to Mandrew. Yeah, there's just a few, like the abuse is just. Right. And do you know what? I'm going to spin this one on its head and talk about Mandrew. And they, it was a smear campaign against Mandrew. Think about it. Like he got pissed off because they said he was gargled in a match report, which is crazy to do when you think about it. On our perspective as well, if we'd released that about Jack, he'd be fucking. He'd be he'd be hitting the roof. He'd be going mad. So when you think about it like that. And you think about his perspective, and he and now now the perception is that he's a dipso, and he drinks all the time. So, um, he was pretty much dropped for the for the rest of the season. He's still very well thought of in the Ireland setup. I just think it's Bo's toxic atmosphere that that pretty much ruined him, and they tried to smear him, and now we got him. Well, there's a couple of different narratives going around, isn't there? It's like no, that's now, narrative, now that they've. Now that he's come to us, the Bo's narrative is well, he has a bad attitude. And you're getting a player with a bad attitude, but that remains to be seen. Let's after speaking to brother, I reckon Mandrew's a saint. There's no way <laughs> he's gonna sign a bogey like that. So listen, it's a uh, we after, yeah, like you say, we've talked to Bradley about on on the show last week, although it was only the other day. Uh, Delorean. <laughs> he puts a lot of thought into. Is this the right personality for a dress? Oh, I love it. I love the whole squad yeah. mentality thing. I love the it. Bowls fans are fuming. Fuming. Like oh, we're boiling. Everyone's pissed. <laughs> Dundalk, Bowls. Yeah, I just apparently the 2019 League Young Player of the Year is now shite. Yeah. And like we say, we've only signed them to piss off the Bowls fans. Yeah. It's always been our transfer policy. Yeah. Remember Forky once told us that when the, the, the Ultras farm in its heyday. You just like get a bag of cans on a Friday night and read the form. Yeah. That's what you could have done for Jibbo Web that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this was quality entertainment. Was brilliant. When we signed Danny. And uh did you see he put a post about his anniversary with his girlfriend there? No, no. On Instagram. Oh god. And Liam Scales replied with a snake emoji. <laughs> did he? <laughs> Nothing to do with football, just like a heartfelt message. <laughs> you just see scales snake. Yeah. <laughs> Taking the piss. Why are they calling him a snake and a rat? I wonder what that's about. 
just mm-hmm. another smear campaign. But uh, well, we're signing all the top talent in the league. Bows are commemorating their floodlights and sticking it on jerseys. So, uh, yep. yeah, that's it. Pretty much it. They couldn't get away with a Bob Marley or Dalai Lama or whatever they wanted on this one. So they put the floodlights on. Uh, we have passed the 500 club members mark for the first time. Uh, welcome everyone and congrats on being the number 500 to Damien Kelly from Kilimanjaro. And this is something I didn't know. I knew we were on 497. And mm-hmm. uh, what does he get? Does he get a special prize for being number 500? Well, I won't offer him a prize because we're notorious for not actually... Well, those prizes prize. did exist. They were just refused. <laughs> that, right. that is true. So, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Jack Bourne was voted... SSE Electricity SWAI Personality of the Year 2020 and Stephen Bradley was runner up and Alan Manis won goalkeeper of the year of course and he said he's no plans to retire so all that peanut butter is holding well in Alan Manis it's like cement keeping his bones together <laughs> and it's a, uh, a really a really good year all around trophies wise uh, obviously Bradley Cup but we've been had a fantastic season and Alan Manis who else is going to get it prof a man mountain tank and goal yeah, it says he might go another one, five, ten years. Oh, we'll keep him as long as he keeps them out. Yeah, so excellent stuff from the lads. And Jack and Brando won the PFAI player, player, the, the players, player, player, players of the year award and their respective divisions. So Bradley is the PFAI manager of the year, and the ceremony took place on Zoom. So great stuff as well. Brad's are picking up awards. Jack Brando, and naturally, shouldn't the B team be the stepping stone into the? Force team. This is a discussion that we had last week. Is Brando ready for a shot at the force team? I think the fact that he wasn't making hardly any substitute appearances in the second half last season suggests to me he's not staying. I I possibly argue with you on that one and say that he was too pivotal for the B team, maybe. But the Lou and Williams were playing both all the time. All the time, were they? Yeah. Are you sure? Pretty sure they were, yeah. Book boy, I'm st- I'm, I'm going to call you book boy. <laughs> Stat boy and book boy. Book boy, I think I doubt you on this one with their appearances. But if that's the case, then maybe maybe he's not being considered. Maybe that is maybe that is the case. But, I mean, word of Crystal Palace being interested in him as well, which would be, obviously, Reuters' influence there. Yeah, there's a link there. So we'll see what happens anyway. But he has been fantastic in the B team. Let's just guesswork on my part now. I don't actually know. No, you said but, it. Uh, you said it. I, I've always liked Brando. Yeah, he is. He's a good player. So, but listen, I don't think there's room for him in that team at the minute. Where for he me. gets in? I, yeah, no, in my opinion, I don't think God he gets knows. in. At the minute, so. Sure, if if Greg Bolger has to leave the club, there you go. You know, you're you've got a competitive midfield there. And didn't they give him a shot in that role, in the Greg Bolger role before? They had him deep. That's right. He played a couple of games yeah. in, that, in that role. Yeah. So he's been given the chance. We want the Borky and McInerney nominated for Player of the Month as well. And uh, like you said, it was a good end of the season, and we've had McInerney completing his transformation and he's been fantastic an underrated player all season and he didn't get enough credit for me you know anyway it certainly didn't and the news came out on Sunday Pico Lopez before Rovers 2020 player of the year and Liam Scales before young player of the year and once again the hotbed of talent that is Dublin 12 just just po- talent coming out of the pores of this suburb and uh, Pico I think I think he dedicated to to us online. I think he did. he said it's everything Tifties have done mm. for me. Crumbling loyal. Uh, the the positivity that just spewed from their loins, it it really did drive me on to to come become better as a player. And you know I think he said something about the stats, just doing it doing it for him as well. So listen, we we do what we can, Prof. We do what we can. 
I think we're overemphasizing uh, D12. This this lad is from Crumlin. Crumlin, yeah. Right? Now let's get Drim out of that equation, yeah. will we? Crumlin, yeah. Joey is Crumlin. Yeah. Pico is Crumlin. <laughs> All the boys yeah. are Crumlin. Yeah. Let's 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 get deep into it there, will we? We're gonna have to hashtag Crumlin. Bring it back. So that is the lads and fair play to him. Well done to Scales as well. And he was the standout one. I went for Watts purely for a mind fuck. But um, he was very good as well. But two congratulations to the two lads. I'm pleasantly surprised that Pika won because you and I picked him. We, but Mo- we picked him thinking it's not going to happen. Didn't we? Most people, I think, in our, uh, our Tifty's hotline, I think <laughs> at least half picked Pika, didn't they? Yeah, they, did. they certainly did, yeah. And, uh, but in the back of my mind, I was like, but fans... The, the popular vote tends to go for the likes of Jack. Yeah, yeah. But so, great to hear that he got it anyway. But Jack's been heralded and he knows how good he is and he's gotten the, the, the league player of the year. So I think it's a nice touch for Rovers fans to, to pick Pico. Because if you think back to 2018 and Lee Grace won, that, like, Lee Grace had a super 2018 season. But if you look at it, Watts had half a season, Manus had half a season, Burke had half a season. There was no other attacking standout. Yeah. True. So for Pico to win this over Jack for in a full season, that's impressive. Yeah, it is pretty good. Uh, fellow media whore, uh, Graham Merrill Merrigan, he was on the after school hub and RTE about his love of Rovers, amongst other things. He was surprised with the league trophy. So the look on his face. Fair play to Rovers for putting that together. Um, fantastic stuff to get the trophy in. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so great stuff from Merrill and the look on his face, it was just joy. It was like the look when you you're looking at a Sunday roast or something <laughs> that you just want. A pint of Guinness, Sunday roast, a beautiful lady. He just was in love. It was instant love. It was absolutely brilliant. Sure, he was. Fair play to Merrill. Uh podcast friends. Hashtag, hashtag podcast friends. <laughs> AGM prof. The AGM will be on Tuesday the 29th at 7 pm through Zoom and uh, get your applications in for the board, Prof. I think uh, you're gonna if you, you get yourself out of this lair, you're gonna run for chairman or CEO and rule the roost eventually. Everyone has to have some sort of stat-related uh, friend when they get into the stadium. <laughs> but the AGM yeah. is the 29th at 7 p.m. So make sure you zoom in for that one. It'll be my first AGM as a member, so I can't wait to finally raise the important issues like when that. Sunderland friendly from 2008 will be rescheduled. Where are the bricks? Yeah. Where are the bricks? Where's my brick? Uh, as you say, point Guinness glasses for the sweet. Yeah. Glass, actual glass. Yeah. Uh, why isn't our goalkeeping coach taller? Yeah, that's that's a real one. Yeah. These are the can we do anything about that, please? Is there anything we can do? I'm gonna stand up <laughs> and face the board over this. <laughs> Prof with the with the with the notes in his hand, shaking them. <laughs> and then another thing. Uh, yeah so that is it make sure you tune in 29th 7pm so Dundalk finished their Europa League group pointless and beaten to a pulp after a 4-2 defeat to Arsenal at the Aviva another goal for a fantastic fantastic goal goal season from our new centre back Sean Hoare but ultimately Dundalk withered and died without a fight yelping in the corner and um, that was it they went out didn't go out kicking and screaming whatsoever they uh Went out with a whimper. A flea I'm going to try and bring some balance to the show. Don't. <laughs> they were competitive in most of the game. What, when they couldn't foul anyone from Arsenal? But, except that game. Here's a trophy for being but, 
bunch of fucking wimps. But I'm delighted they finished pointless. I really am. Yeah. But uh, Johnny Ward got loads of stick on LOI Weekly for saying that Rovers would have given that group a good rattle. Oh, uh, yes. And he said Bowles, even Bowles probably would have got a point. Uh, he got he got loads of stick in it, but actually I don't disagree with him. No, for once, and we need to have some sort of sound effect here, but this, <laughs> I don't know what to pick, but I, you're agreeing with Johnny Ward. I would love to see a Rovers would have done with that group. Now, Mulder are a good team. I'm not saying like, oh, we definitely would have beaten them. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. I would like to see how Brazil would have approached it. Say, like, our big players turn up on the day. I mean... Like you said, give it a rattle. Yeah. Give it a rattle. So, Filippo uh, was appointed a manager with Jim Magilton above him as director of football. And that's a good appointment, in my opinion. Jim Magilton, I think, he will be pulling the strings as regards to the players behind the scenes, all that. And that's his baby now at this stage. But a bit I of think... a madhouse he's gone into yeah, there. Yeah, it is. It's not great now. But I think Filippo, tactically and things like that, be interesting to see how it fares, but I think Dundalk are a sinking ship. And I'm going to call it here. I'll say they finish outside the top three next season. I'm pretty sure you used the phrase sinking ship about two years ago. Shut up, Carl. <laughs> All right. Just going to keep saying What are you bringing up the past for? What are you bringing up the past? Well, we did with Brazzer. I mean, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> but, uh, no, in this case, yeah. Ship can sink for two years, right? <laughs> it's very slow sinking. <laughs> now, in this case, like, Dundalk have seen to be have finished on the high and they won the cup so they did but they've won it with a squad who might disband yeah I think it is it's 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 happening before the video is Gary Rogers is gone you have Sean Gannon you have Hoare um, there are other mercenaries that are there or Johnny Fardner yeah. all the lads have have, 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 have departed it's, I mean they signed Duffy back they signed Gartland back Gartland a, is a I think Gartland's spent in my opinion he's a spent force he's just a, it's just a high wage that they could have got off the, the wage bill fair enough he might be there in the dressing room good and that they signed the, I uh, hope Gartland signs the Norwegian striker and yeah. like an Albanian goalkeeper I actually couldn't believe they signed him he, I know he scored a good goal but that they were a bunch of donkeys that team and I couldn't believe it because I was looking it up thinking oh, he could have a bit of pedigree and then when I actually realised he played against them in that game I was like wow that is a terrible signing so um, yeah, I think it is. It's gradually, gradually sinking. So our worry was that the, if they beat us in the cup final, it would be a platform. But only if the team is the same team. Mm. If a lot of them leave, and then it's a mix of your likes of Gartland and John Melton,ey who for some reason is still there. Well, he'd be gone as well. And I'd say he'd like, be on the pats. And if, if it's a mix of recruitment from outside the league. Then it's gonna be all come down to that, that recruitment. Yeah, by Felipe. Totally agree with you. If 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 too many of them flop, similar to how in twenty twelve, uh, Oscar Janssen flopped for the first half of the season. Yeah, and we had an aging uh, the other Garton at the back, uh, Graham. Unfortunately, he was coming to the end of his career there. And, I'm liking uh, these comparisons. Yeah. I'm <laughs> liking these comparisons. Let's compare it to Kenny 2012. Yeah. But ultimately, I think um, Filippo has literally no pull in the transfer market. I think that's what he got Jim in because he's been working with kids and giving out fucking Harry Bows for the last couple of years. So you're talking that he has no no experience whatsoever in player wise like he wouldn't there's absolutely no reason for him to have experience because he wouldn't be actively going and getting transfers in for what team you're not going to transfer in for like the, the Milan 
youths you know what I mean it doesn't happen like that so he has no pull there and that's why Jim is brought in it's simple I'm not trying to be um, yeah, you're doing it again you're doing no, it again positive be... about Dundalk that's no, what no, you're no. doing no I'm, I'm saying I'm not trying to be uh, xenophobic <laughs> but uh, is there any example of a manager from outside of Ireland or Northern Ireland coming into our league and successfully recruiting outside our league and winning league titles no I don't think so that's a great show Anyone who had any information on this would be greatly appreciated if you got in touch with us. That is it. Someone had something similar. Someone had a, had a show before, but I don't think they actually were successful with bringing in players, importing them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, that's a great show. Anyone, any info there, let us know. But like we said, we'll move on to Kevin Sheedy as well, the new Waterford manager. And this is a strange one. I think he was with Al-Shabaab, with their youths before Waterford and um, Everton's academy before that. I think he was one of the uh, long line of... I think he, he produced some, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I was listening to, I think it was Joe's show tonight, as we record Monday, I'm going back and forth now, I can't remember which Monday it is, at Monday, this stage, the Monday before the, Christmas, yeah, as Monday, you listen to this, the as Monday you after Christmas, <laughs> yeah, so that was it, and I think it was Joe's, it's Joe's show wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. On a Monday, and they were yeah. speaking about she absolute game, and the absolute game, and they were talking about him and uh, his his pedigree, and he actually has a good a good record of producing players. So it, I don't know. I don't know how necessarily it is how, how much of a manager he actually is, and how much he's dealt with with players before. But it's a bolt out of the blue again from Waterford, who are uh, <laughs> they're working through the Ireland's Italian yeah. 90 squad. Who's next up? Townsend. Ooh. Maybe Dave O'Leary. Dave O'Leary, yeah, Jesus, there you go. So, our 19s unfortunately lost 1-0 in Waterford last week, which meant the end of their season. So, a tough game down in the RSC, uh, ending in defeat, unfortunately. So, uh, three women's under 17s results. They beat Galway 2-0 at Lone, 5-2, and then an Anna Casey hat-trick. Uh, Sunday, they came from behind to beat 3D United. They actually have a women's team already. Yep. So they just imported all the Limerick teams, okay. And then to finish top of the group, to qualify for the league final against Cork, and we don't know the result of that as we record today because it's the Monday before Christmas, but you're listening to it on the Monday after Christmas. Yes. So, yeah, we don't know that result. And the boys in the 17s won 8-0 in Cove and then beat Waterford 1-0 the road zone to qualify for the league final, and that was played on the Monday night. Only a couple of hours ago as we record this, and the Young Hoops were beaten 2-0 by Bows at Belfield. So, yeah. unfortunate and commiserations to Ed Saul and all the guys so um, they shot themselves in the foot prof you watched a bit of it I did watch it yeah 18 seconds they went behind like that's a killer start yeah. and it was a very poor goal as well the second goal in fairness was unbelievable yeah young Evan Ferguson who played against Chelsea wasn't it at 14 years of age back heel by Ferguson outrageous goal and he, he was brilliant the whole game like he's a he's a big presence yeah for his age, like he's, he's a very good player. Uh, the whole production was very good, I must say. Like the FEI streamed it live. You got replays and uh, interviews and stuff. So, yeah, very good uh, production values. Unfortunately, uh, it was the beat. Unfortunately, we, we lost the game, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Ed Saul's boys. And uh, listen, it's, um, it's a bit of a stinger, really, because they've a bit of a record of beating our underage teams. But we will move on and hopefully, hopefully, they... Uh, they recover well from it and uh, they go on to bigger and better things but uh, on that note we will hear from good rings M man Ed Saul and uh, he had a good chat with all thing, about all things Rovers I'm a member member oh I member oh I member okay we're joined now by Rovers under 17's coach and Pride of Rings End supporters club head honcho 
Ed Sol. This is a, it's actually your third time interviewing you, Ed. Uh, the first time I think you just done your badges. Second time it was with Fairhouse Clover. And now Robert's under 17's assistant manager, along with Desi Baker, so you're moving up in the world. And uh, so one of the reasons we have you on today is because of the 17's final. That was Monday, that's yesterday as we were recording this. And of course the plan was for you to come on as a league champion. But sadly it didn't work out that way. 2-0 defeat the balls at a drenched Belfield on uh, Monday night. And you couldn't have had a worse start going a goal down in 18 seconds. So give us your thoughts on the game. Yeah, Carl, first of all, thanks for having me on. And as I said, uh, the master plan was to come over here tonight as league champions, under 17 league champions, but it wasn't to be. Um, yeah, it, it's it, the result is still a bit raw. Emotions are still running a bit high from last night. And um, yeah, if I'm being brutally honest, um, we didn't deserve to win the game. Um, our, our, our plan went out the window after like 25 seconds or whatever it was they scored a goal in um, and we didn't really recover from that um, so it was going to be a long night when they scored a second goal uh, and you just felt right okay what can we do here let's have cool heads and get the half time because it didn't look like we were going to score in the first half it looked mm. like if anything they were going to score again three half time subs then you obviously yeah, need to make a change. Three half-time subs, change of formation, and and we went for it. And I just felt if we got if we got the next goal, we'd have a chance. Um, but it wasn't to be. It was, and the most disappointing thing about the whole, the whole, um, the whole game and the occasion was that we're a better team than what we showed last night. We're a much better team. Like people will know, be familiar with a group of players and. We've had an excellent year, a really excellent year, playing some top football up and down the country, uh, picking up some smashing results. And we just didn't showcase that last night. And that's the most disappointing thing for me, is that we are better than what we showed last night. And um, But it wasn't to be. That's football. Like, we're all hurting bad. The dressing room was, was, wasn't a nice place to be at the end of the game. Um, especially when you can hear the Bowles lads down the other end of the corridor singing and chanting. But you got to learn from that. you got to take it on the chin. And that's what we were saying to our boys last night, that you got to learn from this and come back stronger. And the good thing for, for this group is that a lot of us can mm. all play under 17 again next year. So they will get the opportunity, hopefully, to, to avenge that defeat and become champions again next year. Yeah, we don't like to give balls too much credit, but in fairness, Evan Ferguson, he did stand out. He's, he's a physical presence. He, yeah, look, he, there, there was rumours going around all week. Was he playing? Was he not playing? Was he upright? Was he not upright? And, you know, we, we didn't listen to any of that. We prepared for the best balls team possible. And um, we done our homework on them. Like, it's uh, like we done match analysis, video analysis. I gave all the boys clips on them where, where they're going to hurt us, where we can hurt them, where they can press, where we can press. But after 25 seconds, that was gone out the window. Um, our game plan had to change, um, but he uh, look, he, he's a talent. He's not in Bowes Force team for nothing. Like, and even even when I was watching Bowes Force team towards the end of the season when he was coming on for them, he was making a difference at at at, at Force team level. So we tried our best to contain him last night, but a second goal was a touch of class. To be fair to the kid, it was brilliant, and I think he has a he has a big future ahead of him for sure. 
and Rovers fans will be familiar with quite a few of our players involved on Monday because you've, you've seen them playing in our first division team and a number of the first division clubs have provided a stream so I've actually been able to see them quite a bit despite the, the lockdown and things like that but uh, one would be Kevin Zeffi he obviously a lot of attention on him linked to the Inter Milan I even saw him wearing the shirt on Instagram but uh, tell us about him uh, look he's a great character like uh, off the pitch he's, he's a brilliant character as well like so um, he, he's an unbelievable future ahead of him even like when you get to coach him in training he's frightening at what he can do um, when he's on it there's no stopping him he, he had a quiet game last night but like he wasn't the only one we all had quiet games so it'd be, it'd be unfair to pick out one individual because as a group we all didn't really perform so but Kevin yeah, he's he he's one of them last that can that can turn out turn the game on its head in a minute, and he's actually he's actually a pleasure to coach, and I mean that like he's he's a great lad, um, and again he's another one that really you know the world are as, is is at his feet, and it's great to see all these boys get recognition with the fourth division team. I think like when I looked at it, I think we've had six players from the under seventeen group that have played for the fourth division team this year, like. That's something else when you think of it. Um, from for that age group, like Kevin Zeffy is fifteen, Sam Court is fourteen, and you and you go up and Michael Letty, um, sixteen, Darren McInnes, John Ryan, O'Shane Hand, they're all playing B team football. So as as upset as I am with losing cup final, nobody wants to lose a cup final, especially the Bows, right? But when you lose a cup final, of course. But on the flip side of it, on the development side of things. You know, the future is bright. Absolutely, like yeah. on that side of it, if they the experience the lads have picked up playing fourth division football, um, will really really stand to them going forward. And personally, for you, how have you found it this year under uh, manager Thomas Morgan and yourself and Desi Baker, former Robert Stryker, must be uh, interesting to work alongside him, a hoops hero. Yeah, like like first of all, Thomas like thomas goes under the radar a little bit like he he doesn't be on social media or anything like that doesn't make the headlines and i didn't know thomas personally before i went to rovers it was shane robinson the academy director that asked me would i go in and work with him and um thomas didn't know me but we, we picked it off straight away like he's i think thomas has won four league of ireland titles people wouldn't he's obviously played for ireland all the way up um with brian Kerr and damien duff and all that group He's he's an exceptional coach. Uh, I can tell you that. Like he must be one of the most unluckiest coaches at Shamrock Rovers. He's lost three finals now, two last year and one this year. So like there's there's margins in it. Like absolute margins. Now we were well beaten last night, but last year the boys were beaten. Like there was nothing in the games. Absolutely nothing. And as I said, if anyone deserves a, a title at Rovers, it, it, it's Thomas. But um. Yeah, I highly recommend him. Like the club are kind of lucky to have my feel. He's a he's a brilliant coach, and Desi Desi is Desi. But like Desi, puts on striking sessions for 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 all the groups at Rovers, and he and then he comes with us at the Seventeens, and like the the stuff that he is teaching, the strikers and the attacking midfielders, like it, it it's brilliant to watch his sessions. He's, I can highly recommend Desi as well, and uh, then he's great with our group and. Um, yeah, what a, what a player to learn off again. Um, the stuff that he's teaching the boys. And, and not only that, I'm learning off these lads. So I'm learning off Thomas and I'm learning off Desi. And, you know, by no means am I to finish article or anything like that. Always looking to learn. But um, 
we're a good little group and it was just unfortunate last night that uh, we couldn't get our hands on the title. What's, what's it like at the academy? What sort of mix and interaction is there with all the underage teams and some of the senior coaches like Aidan Price and Stephen Bradley? And it's great as well that we've got the under-17s ladies. They've just got to a final on Wednesday. Again, we don't know the result as we're recording this. But uh, what's the vibe at the academy? Is it a great place to work? Yeah, like obviously, Carl, I'm only, I'm only in the academy a year now. And... Um, so it took me a while to get to get used to things, but straight away when you walk in, you know how professional it is. You can see the work and the hours that you know Shane have put in, Aiden and Stephen Gray. Uh, like they do phenomenal amount of hours, uh, seven days a week sometimes. And then you know you have the other side of it, the strength and conditioning side. Pat Danes, obviously another lad who's played for the for the for the hoops and um, knows what it's like to to play for the hoops. He looks after the strength and condition side of things, and the, the, I've never seen a team fair like throughout the clubs. We're, we're very, very fit, really, really fit, and uh, it's just a pity like that. You know, we're going so close in these finals. We just need to figure out a way to, to win these finals because, like, as I said, fitness levels, you know, and and other stuff, we're, we're so close. But professional facilities, best in the country probably, and it's only going to get better. Um, but there's great, there's great vibe up there. Like you, you know, even when the first team are there, Brad's are uh, uh, Steve McPhail, Glenn. You know, they're they're all they're they're all real respectful to the coaches, and they're always stopping to ask how are you getting on. Do you need anything? Is there I can deal for you? Brad's are will come over and and throw a bit of advice at you and stuff like that. Like it's 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 brilliant. Like it's brilliant, really really good. So it's like one big family up there. If if I'm honest, yeah. Uh, Gary wants me to ask you this one. He asked, uh, "Does your love for the hoops ever compromise your coaching role?" Um, I I did think last night. Now I got a little bit. Uh, I think I told Derek Penn to fuck off once or twice. Um, but uh, I had to hold myself back a few times. I had to. Kind That's of, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Look, it is what it is. But now we did, did very respectful after the game. Obviously, you know what I mean. But. Uh, He's, he, like they were a better team, and you have to. I'm always honest when it comes to football. Like you're always honest. You call it as it is. But yeah, no. It's it's sometimes I find myself, you know, saying things I shouldn't say, or it's just passion. It's more passion, and then I have to think to myself, right? You're coaching here. You're not on the terraces. Um, but I always drill it home to the boys how important it is to play for Shamrock Rovers. You know, when we go on away trips, and we'll have to banter and. And, and last night, like, was it was 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 a thing to tell them as well, like, because you, you have to be able if you want to play for Shamrock Rovers first team, you have to be able to produce on the big stage, and that's one thing our lads have to learn if they want to play for Air Force team, they have to be because their fans are so demanding, they'll demand, demand, demand. Whether there's five hundred people there, whether there's five thousand people there, so you have to be able to produce it, and um, that's what we're kind of drilling home to them after last night. You remember Pender as a player for us in 2006? I think Gary disliked him, but uh, we, we talked to Dunster before, and he was—he actually loved—he loved that whole team basically, all 37 players that Pascoli featured in the first division. But do you remember his time there? Pascoli, um, Derek Pender, Derek Pender. Sorry, yeah, yeah I remember. I remember Derek Dester being there. Yeah, the, 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 during the Pascoli era, um, I actually enjoyed that era. That was good. Um, 
like the Force Division trips were good crack, weren't they? Like I enjoyed that because our four air Pride of Rings end, we we only really got going that year, um, and we had this minibus in Rings End that was kind of a, a community thing, and we used to drive it around to Kildare County and Monaghan, and all them places, and uh, I enjoyed that area. Yeah, it was good, and and obviously winning the the league down on Cove, that was it. That was a brilliant experience. I actually flew to Cove. Uh, I think a lot of hoops did. Yeah, you? flew to Cork uh, on Ryanair. I remember flying Ryanair, and then getting the train. I think up to Cove, and then um, then the flight was cancelled on the way back because of a hurricane or something along them lines. I ended up getting a bus to Shannon, and then the plane from there was cancelled, and then getting a bus to Dublin. So that was, but that was great. That was that was Cove away winning that fourth division. They were good memories, yeah. Really enjoyed it, yeah. But Derek, now I can't really remember too much about him and playing for the Hoops. How long did he play for us for? I think it was one season. I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So your thoughts on the cup final defeat to Dundalk, and I suppose a bit on the season overall. Maybe a bit bittersweet because league champions, but. Uh, very few people got to see the games. I know I saw you at the, the last home game there. But, uh, yeah, your thoughts on 2020 for Rovers? Well, I suppose I was probably, like like yourself, Carl, lucky enough to get into some of the home games in Tala um, to, to watch the team. And you know you know what it's like to watch them up close because what you can hear them saying on the pitch. But, like, I'm mad. I'll go in and watch the warm-ups and I'll watch what... Rovers are doing in the warm up. I'll watch what the opposition is doing in the warm up. I'll try and sit close to the benches over and hear what Brad's are and Glenn and the information going out under the pitch, um, just just to pick up new ideas and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> we've been immense all year, absolutely immense. And uh, you know we must be a nightmare to play against for opposition teams. The way we move the ball, pass it, intensity, our pressing game is the best in the league. So from that experience. Really, really enjoyed it, but you know, playing in front of an empty tallet when fans can't get there, you know, I really hope it's not the same uh, this year for too long. It looks like we will have some fans back in um, towards the start of the season, maybe definitely into the summer. But um, we were exceptional all year, exceptional. I think you know, the likes of Dundalk and, and, and Bowles and whoever else was up there, they're lucky that it was only an 18-game league because we would have won it by an absolute canter. 22 points ahead of Dundalk. I've, I've no problem saying it would have been 40 points if it was a full season. We were miles ahead of them. But cup finals, anything can happen. And leading up to the cup final, I always felt we can do this in 90 minutes. Um, they'd obviously changed shape. Um, change formation, something similar to us. So I thought it was going to be a more even game because they obviously had the Europa League games behind them um, and they had them competitive games as where we were playing one a week. And just in the Sligo game in the Cup, I thought we looked a little bit leggy um, in the second half especially, but we got the job done. And then we had to wait a week for the final, but... I listened to Brad's interview. I listened to it this morning, by the way. It was outstanding. What a manager we have on our hands. So honest. Uh, one of our own, like. And, like, it, I believe that I agree with everything he says. We we were so good for 60, 70 minutes. And then, like, it was just five minutes of madness, really, that, you know, we found ourselves 2 1 down. Yeah. And uh, 
I said it all week, you know, lads who know me, I said it all week, we're going to score set pieces against these because I was watching them in the Europa League, the way they defend, and their zone on marking, and with Jack's delivery, Pico, Joey O'Brien, all our defenders attacking balls, I had a feeling we were going to score from set pieces, and lo and behold, we did. But I always feared, if it went, the longer the game went on, that they, they could snatch it because of the, the competitive games they've been playing. And you could see with their bench what you were bringing on, freshened them up. We were, an edge there, yeah. Yeah, we were getting tired. I think Gary O'Neill and Farouz were big losses, um, especially Gary. Um, would have been amazing to have them coming onto the pitch, on the big pitch, while the game was stretched. And like Greg and Fairness have been out for five months. A tough game to come on in, like. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, again, there was margins in the game, but I think it's. I think it'll go down as the cup final that got away from us, because um, we had the chances to win it. We had the chances to win it, and we didn't take them, and we basically got punished. But a sore one to take. Um, yeah. A real sore one to take. Yeah. Hard one to take. Yeah. He wanted to do the double and. Uh Another question from Gary. You probably anticipated this one. He asked it every time. Uh, did you show your season ticket at the Teddy? How did I know that was coming? <laughs> right. Um, thanks, Gary. Yeah, nothing new there. Now, this, that season ticket story uh, is a lie. I can tell you that now here on air for a fact, right? I think it was Michael O'Neill. Um, we had a bad start under Michael O'Neill, if I'm right. A real bad start. And uh, I think we were beating a, a home in Tallah Stadium two two, two uh, games in a row. And uh, I'm not sure there was Pats or Dundalk beat us on a Sunday afternoon. There was somebody beat us 2-0. And um, I'm going to call it straight. I was gargled at the game. And um, went over towards the, the, the dugouts and had a pop off Michael O'Neill. And he wasn't happy with me. And he turned around and gave me a look. But somehow somebody said Ed Saul threw a season ticket at Michael O'Neill <laughs> and I just grew legs. And I hope Jonathan Roach can back me up on this because he, he gave out to me over this but I never threw a season ticket at Michael O'Neill. And I apologised to him a couple of weeks later. So. Well, officially the record has been set straight there now. Yeah. So the cup final uh, nobody was expecting the white horse or anything. It, wasn't, it was never going to be that sort of day again but uh, Milner put up a video of Rings End at around 11 o'clock that morning and the streets were just empty. I mean, compare that to this time last year. Well, first of all, I don't think we will ever beat um, Rings End, you know, what happened that day to, when we beat Dundalk in the cup final. I, everything was just right, you know, everybody felt good that leading up to the game. Um, a lot of preparation went in from from the supporters club and to to welcome all the fans down to Rings End. Obviously, the white horse thing was a big issue because we had a smelly pony in two thousand and ten. Shout out to Mark Keaton. Mark Keaton organised that, of course. Yeah, and uh, oh, the thing was in bits, wasn't it? Um, and the smell of it as well. But so we always thought, right, when we when we get back to the cup final again, we're going to do this right, and we got to white horse and the guy who I dealt with sent me on pictures of it and you know it looked I think it was a name Maggie or I think it was Maggie I think so um, but when when she came over the bridge and you saw her like it was it, she she was she was beautiful and um, it was so busy um, in Rings End that day like it was mental I couldn't relax I at a point that morning 
in a pub that we all weren't even meant to be in. But soon everybody was knocking on doors and the pub became jammed with Rovers fans. And this is early in the morning. And then the buses, fans, everyone started arriving. And I didn't expect it to be that busy that it was. But again, I could not relax. Um, and then, as I said, the white horse, we, the police were on my case all day. We decided to put the white horse in in uh, in the church grounds. The priest, um, the priest was was cool with that. He was very helpful, and everybody could come in and get their pictures taken with it. And um, the 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 master plan was the team bus to come through Ringsend. That's what we wanted, and the, you know the players wanted to, and and Brads and Cole and all the, the officials wanted to see the fans, but. It was probably the right call by the guardian not to let them down because I don't think the bus would have got back out. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the FAI and the guardian decided not to let the bus come through Ring's End. Um, they should have let the Dundalk bus come through. That would have been good crack, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, yeah, but yeah, then, you know, it was getting close to, to, to 3 o'clock, the time of the march. And like this planning went on for weeks because the guardian was sending us one route, we wanted to go another route, and then they weren't let us go this route, that route. So when uh, it was getting close to three o'clock, the, the guard kept pointing on his watch. Like, come on, Ed, come on, we're going, we're going, we're going. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So once we got going, the videos are there to be seen. Like the, the Was marches. it Ben Stafford, a three-minute video from yeah. the height? How many times have you watched that back? I know, I know. It's, it, it's quality, absolutely quality. That was from a lad in the flats, wasn't it? Looking down and you see everybody. You see, <laughs> see the white horse going over the bridge first. And me and my son, uh, Riley, walking behind them. And I had my mom there. I had my auntie, I had cousins. Everybody was there. And then, obviously, I wouldn't have known what went on behind um, until yeah. I saw the videos because we were up the front. <laughs> and it was a bit quiet up the front because, you know, we were a bit ahead of the pack. And the guard here were telling us, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And then there was a little gap. And mm. then it was the thousands of people behind it. <laughs> Um, but look, amazing scenes, amazing, absolutely amazing, and everything was great that day. The weather was good. It was dry. It was bright. Um, but yeah, look, when we get to another cup final, which we will, of course, and um, we'll have to do it all over again, definitely. So since this is uh, the members' corner, we better uh, talk a little bit about that and justify the title of this segment. But uh, when did you first become a member, and why? 2005 was the first time I became a member and uh, me and a few of my mates decided to become a member Rovers needed the membership at the time and um, we were following Rovers all over the place um, Santry, uh, Inchicore, you name it we've been there like you know and um, we decided to, to, to join the members club and since then I've remained a member all through the years all the way and last year um, I had to get a mortgage on a house so I decided to take a year's break just to get the mortgage on the house you know for all the paperwork that you need and bank statements and everything so decided just to take a year out and once I settled into the new house I joined back up there about probably about eight nine months ago so all is good but yeah I remember a long long time good good to 15 years anyway so is there anything you would like to see that could be better in terms of say communication or pricing or extra perks of being a member what would you uh, like to see if anything no i think i think i think that there's a good balance there at the minute be, between the members club and um, which you only have to look at the record members that we have now 
Um, so it's gone from strength to strength. But but the looks of things, we own we own our own football club. You know, we own a percentage of it. We have a say in what goes on. That's important, and I think that's the way it should remain. Obviously, the the investment from Mr. Desmond is welcome. Absolutely, is welcome. Hopefully, he can throw a few more million in. Um, but I think we have the balance right at the minute between you know Ray Wilson, Dermot Desmond, members club. I think that can work well in the future. Uh, look forward to the AGM um, to see see what's happening. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's good. It's going. It's getting bigger and bigger. And I think you know a lot of people are joining the membership as well because they want to go back and see games and. I don't know what way it's going to be when we go back, but it has to be fair for everybody um, to get into Tallah Stadium. Like, you know, everybody needs to get in. And if it's only 500, 1,000, 1,500, I think, you know, members should obviously get looked after first. But don't forget the season ticket holders and everybody else. Everybody should get into Tallah Stadium in some way. And if it means going to one game to miss another game and so on, so people can get in and see the team. You know, we've got to find that right balance um, this year. But fingers crossed we can get... Like, imagine the crowds we'd have, you know, this season, like last season. You know, when the Dundalk game, what was it, 7,000 maybe yeah. at the game? A record, yeah. A record right there you go. And the football we were playing, the, the fans have been absolutely robbed and the team have been absolutely robbed of watching live football in Tallah Stadium with, the, with this current squad. No. absolutely robbed because it's the best footballing team you've seen at Rovers some of the best players you've seen at Rovers so sooner the better we can get back in get fans in get singing get behind the team because these are the good times I know we lost the cup final but we won the league but they're the good times again following Rovers like you know you got it these these are the times that you, to be a fan to, to go see them to watch them winning leagues cup finals it's great like you know like we've had too many long years now from 2011 on. I know we won the league 2011, but between 2012 to now, soul destroying some of the some of the some of the league, uh, seasons were. And it's great now to be finally um, get behind the team and with the brilliant management, uh, coaching staff in place as well. So long may you continue. Like you say, we've we've hit 500 members now. It's the first time we've ever reached that milestone. So people are joining up in in their draws lately. There is that incentive there, as you say, to uh, possibly get into Tallinn next season. But aside from that little uh, incentive, what would you say to someone who's on the fence and thinking about becoming a member? Why do you think they should do it? Well, look, first of all, you're a part of Shamrock Rovers Football Club. You're an owner of Shamrock, part owner of Shamrock Rovers Football Club. So that's important. You you have a say in the day to day going on of Shamrock Rovers. All the big decisions that have to be made. You have a vote, um, but you know it, it's can people afford it? That's the first thing. Don't put yourself into debt if you can. Can you afford it? If you can afford it, I'd highly recommend it. It's 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 really good, um, and you get you get good benefits out of it. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's all comes down to affordability. If, if fans can do it, do it. I'd highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. You mentioned the AGM there. It's on Tuesday the 29th. Uh, we have a new chairman, uh, Kieran Melder, and our outgoing chairman, Jonathan Roach. So just a word on him. I mean, it's hard to put into words just how much he's put into the club in the last, was it, 15 years as, as chairman. Yeah, Roach has been unbelievable. Like Jonathan is actually 
um, my wife's first cousin, so they're they're, they're related. Uh, me and Jonathan always like we we don't always agree on everything. If I'm being honest, over the years, but so much respect for the man. Like he's the work he's put in, and all voluntary by the way, all voluntary. Um, he's he's done Trojan work at the club, and I'm just delighted to see that he's staying on in some capacity. He's staying on with the members and uh, the members club, and he's also involved in the academy, so that's important. And you just have to look at the academy that the, the lads are doing down there, the work that they're doing. So it's great to see him still involved. He'd be missed around the other stuff, but it's important that he's still there. So, like a random question. Your favourite player, favourite Rovers player, pre and post talent? Um, Paddy McCourt. Okay. I know he wasn't with us for too long, um, but absolutely loved watching him play for Rovers. Um, he was he was a madman. Like he was, he was just one of the one of them players that you just pay the entrance fee and alone to see. Did you witness to them as Hadrick? I did. I was there. Yeah, I was there in Daily Mount. Yeah, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? You know, first half Hadrick. Um, but yeah, he was definitely one that I loved seeing in, in a Rover jersey. Uh, sad to see him go, but he wasn't. He was never gonna stay with us too long. Um, Tala. Pat Flynn, no, I'm joking, not him, not him, no, definitely not him. <laughs> uh, no, in Tala, <laughs> Tala Gary Twig, Jesus, like it, it's a no brainer for me. Um, we we're crying out for a, a number nine goal scorer, and uh, he, he, he came from Scotland, and nobody knew much about him, but he soon hit the ground running and he became a, fan, a fan's favourite. And he's one of those players that you know, he just scored a goal from nothing. A goal out and nothing win you a game mm. one nil two one, so I loved Gary Twig. Um, the Gary Twig years with Michael O'Neill, they were brilliant. Like the European trips, everything about us. So yeah, Paddy McCourt pre and uh, Gary Twig in the current era. What was your favorite European trip? Um, probably Spurs. Probably Spurs for um, you know, playing a Premiership team away from home in London. Uh, I remember I don't know how many thousand fans were there but that was a special feeling um, when we took the lead uh, you know that was what trains were made of we actually had a bet that day all the boys I think we backed over just to score a goal we had a right few quid on that I think it was a decent price I can't remember what the price was so that made it even even more special but uh, around London wearing your hoops seeing all the hoops uh, spores away yeah that that was quality. There's been some amazing away trips, haven't there? Like some really good away trips, and we are robbed of, robbed of the San Siro this year. Absolutely robbed of it. I could just picture us walking around Milan in shorts, um, in the summer. You know, drinking in some side street bars in Milan, and then being up in the top tier of the San Siro, singing Rover songs. That was uh, well, we were robbed of that this year. But next year, you'd hope that we can travel. Uh, you, you'd hope by June, July, whenever Europe comes around, that we can do some sort of travelling um, in the Champions League. Hopefully the draw is favourable favorable to us and uh, we can go on a little run in Europe. And we also have the bonus. I think winning our first game is really important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, really important if we want to, if we want to progress. Um, so, fingers crossed, we, we're seeded and we get a good draw. And we deserve a bit of luck in, in the draw after getting Milan last year. So when you look at Dundalk's route, like, you know, that's the benefits of, of being in the Champions route. So hopefully we can benefit this year. 
and a favourite place for the Pride of Rings End to go up to up or down in the country, uh, any particular ground you like going to, and any any standout moment from uh, from the trips. Draw it away sticks out with me straight, you know, um, because you can get on the bus with the with the fans in Rings End, you can go through the Port Tunnel, and you can have a rake of cans going up, and then be in the pub beside the ground. And although Draw it is not the nicest ground in the world, you always create a good atmosphere. So I did like Draw it away. Dundalk away was kind of good as well. Um, again, you go through the Port Tunnel and up, and up the M1. No, I'd say Drotted. I enjoy Drotted. We always had a good record in that ground. Um, and it's a good feeling. We used to uh, come back on the bus and get the Friday night 80s on and belt out the tunes, <laughs> um, half cut coming back. So I think Drotted away. Yeah, definitely Drotted away. That's it, unless there's anything else you want to say about the hoops this season, is No, Carl, look, I, I listen to the podcast uh, all the time, yourself and Gary, doing unbelievable work. It's it's great to listen to. Um, I always throw it on in the van and stuff driving around, and um, you just bring great exposure to the club, so well done to you, boys, and happy Christmas to all hoops out there. Um, I know it's going to be a, a difficult Christmas, but remember, we just won the league, so we can enjoy our Christmas and uh, hopefully we see all the fans back in Tallaght in, in 2021 thanks very much Ed thanks Scott so that was Ed and that is it for what? 2020 um, we actually what's haven't your, had that interview what's, that, your, what's your thoughts on what uh, Ed was talking about there again? well just let me get into the DeLorean here yeah. and <laughs> this show is mental this week <laughs> so that is it for this week and this year and this season absolutely everything thanks to all the listeners thanks to Ocean Electrical thanks to absolutely anybody who contributed in any way possible to keep the podcast afloat during these troubled times we hope our dulcet tones had you uh, occupied and kept you company in these lonely lonely months well we did the uh, Tiffany's hotline I sent a list of uh, interviews we had done all year to kind of give people an idea like what's your highlight and when I put it together it was a pretty good year. Pretty good, in yeah. In the circumstances. It was pretty good. And we anything. capped it off very nicely with Brad's very top. So watch out for all things Tifties next year. We have a lot planned. We have collaborations with the four provinces. The ABO, all sorts of live shows planned. So hopefully when we get back to normality, you will see Tifties in full flow. So that's it for this year. So keep on hooping. Happy New Year. Take me out. Oh